This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to the CMO Spotlight on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again are Catherine Hayes and Jenny Rooney. Hey, and welcome back. This is your favorite CMO Spotlight coming to you from New York City. We're at the 16th annual Advertising Week. It's pretty funny. I was looking at my calendar. I was here 10 years ago for the first time while I was still at the Wharton Future of Advertising program. In fact, we was just getting started. We were in our second year, and we launched the Fast Forward channel with a couple of um, rock star ladies at uh, Google, where we interviewed people as they were coming off the stage and then put it up on the YouTube channel. I think you can still find it, fast.forward. Um, but it was so much fun and so many interesting topics and people and stars, and it's obviously just grown tremendously. Mm-hmm. since there. I am here with Jenny Rooney in the Hi, studio. Hi, Catherine. How hey. are you? Good. So good, good, good to good. be here. It's such a busy week, but it's exciting. Right. What's going on? You've so. been already, um, you've moderated one session so far, right? Yeah, yes, yesterday. And what was that topic? The topic was TechLash, mm. which is super interesting. The AMA, the Association of, uh, or American Associ- American Marketing, Marketing Association, Association. Mm-hmm. did a research um, study, deep dive into consumer perceptions of, of all the new and emerging technologies that we all hear CMOs talking about <laughs> all the time. All the time. AI, facial to. recognition, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, but the study found, obviously, that there are, are a lot of consumers, both in U.S. and China, that are, are super hesitant around the, the, the data component and the privacy issues. So I think the topic or the conversation wasn't about, you know, let's let's dial back, but let's figure out how we can negotiate, um, you know, amid this sort of, these sort of findings and how do, how do marketers move forward with in light of that reality. So it'll be interesting to see how that continues, that yeah. conversation. Yeah, oh, I think, well, I know we've had some conversations about it on the show before with some of the CMO. But yeah. uh, I think it's it's absolutely something that is scary and needs more attention. So good for the AMA for putting out that kind of study. Um, do you want to introduce our, our next guest? Um, so Stephanie McMahon, she's the chief brand officer of WWE. Um, she is legitimately a rock star in her own right. <laughs> she is just incredible. She's done so much for the for the brand, um, and she's also used her platform to um, you know stand for other issues in the broader advertising, marketing, um, and brand industry. So um, we're thrilled to have Stephanie join us. Welcome, Stephanie. Well, thank you. That was um, quite an introduction. And, um, you know, especially coming from you, Jenny, considering the title of rock star or superstar or champion really belongs (laughs) to you. You are too kind, and that's that's not true. You are you are doing so much in this industry, and it's inspiring to see. Um, I know at Advertising Week you're doing a lot here too, right? You're talking a lot about women's issues, and that's that's a big part of it. But maybe we can just have you start by you know for those listening, maybe share a little bit about WWE. Perhaps go back a little bit, share a little bit of the history, and and bring us up to speed with where you are now. Sure. Oh, gosh. Where do I start? So I I am Stephanie McMahon. I am chief brand officer. I've been working in WWE since I was about eight years old. Um, (laughs) And I won't take you through my entire lifespan on the interview. Don't worry. But, um, you know, I I started modeling merchandise for our catalog, you know, back when we couldn't really afford to pay for models. And uh, and quite frankly, I never got paid either. So I don't know. I might need to take that up with uh, With your father. Um, but my mom, when I was growing up, was the CEO, and that's really important as we look at gender equality issues because 
I always just assumed that women were the boss. Women could absolutely be the CEO. And in fact, I assumed that that's what you should be. Um, I never saw gender as a barrier until I got out into the real world. And that's one of the reasons I think it's so important that we're partnered with the ANA on their See Her campaign. Um, we're actually really pushing for the, the See Her in sports because there's um, you know, a tremendous sports opportunity that exists, and that's how I'll position it in terms of uh, women and what we can do as marketers, leagues, and media. Um, but also, you know, just in terms of WWE scale and reach, I, I think it's a responsibility of media and brands as we are really helping to lead and influence audiences everywhere. You know, WWE currently has, uh, let's see, we will have, as of October 4, seven hours of live content across linear television on both cable and broadcast. Every week, 52 weeks a year, no off-season, no reruns. So Monday Night Raw will be on USA Network for three hours every Monday night. NXT is on USA Network on Wednesdays for two hours. And then on Fox broadcast, Friday Night SmackDown will be live 8 to 10 every wow. Friday night. Um, we're actually coming up on, on WWE Premiere Week next week. That's what we're calling it. Mm -hmm. That's how we're branding it. Um, so it's just, it's really exciting for us. That linear um, distribution allows us to then be in 180 countries in 28 different languages. Um, we also, in terms of AVOD, because we really have a, a content ecosystem that, that we leverage, we are the fourth most viewed YouTube channel in the world. Wow. We have over a billion social media followers across all platforms. Six of the world's most followed female athletes on Instagram are WWE superstars, which is something that we're incredibly proud of. And then WWE Network is the final piece of that ecosystem, and that is our direct-to-consumer that we launched uh, really right after Netflix and Hulu. You know, if we, if we weren't the, the first movers in the space, we were certainly, you know, second or third. We were right up there. And we currently have anywhere between 1.6 to 1.8 million subscribers. So when you think about my father, who um, at the time with my mom purchased a Northeast Regional Wrestling Company from my grandfather wow. and turned it into this global media empire that is currently valued at nearly $6 billion, that's a, a pretty good um, success story. Incredible. Amazing. Incredible. Amazing. Well, you mentioned... Um, about Advertising Week and, and what your involvement is here. Can you just describe to our listeners what the See Her movement is? It's very interesting, and especially from an advertising perspective, in terms of how the industry is trying to take a look at those issues. Sure. So See Her started originally with advertising, and then it's moved into broader media, sports, and uh, actually music. Um, but what it really was about was the accurate portrayal of women in ads and media, um, in accordance with the anniversary of the women's suffrage, um, which happens in 2020, uh, next year, 100 years, that, that women have now been able to vote. Um, and there are different metrics and mechanisms that are used to track and measure how those ads are perceived and how women are represented in those ads. But then what we were missing, really, from my perspective, was the sports piece. Because, mm -hmm. you know, when you look at gender inequality, sports is a huge opportunity, not only just in terms of pay, 
um, but really in terms of representation. So where I think it starts is promotion. And if you look at um, you know promotion across various sports network, women's sports only receives four percent of the coverage of the wow. media exposure. Now the FIFA Women's World Cup provides a little bit of relief of that, but you know, let me just ask you: Are you aware of when the WNBA championships are? Mm-mm. Nope, sadly. Right. Well, the tournament is right now, and the finals are on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But we wouldn't know that. Right. Um, you know, you look at highlights of the week or plays of the week, and I'm not singling any um, organization out, but very rarely do you see women's plays represented. And let me tell you, there's some pretty fabulous yeah. women's plays across all different sports. We're mm-hmm. not just talking about, you know, one sport. This, this, there are so many sports that women are playing and women are killing. And then you look at WWE. You know, what happened with WWE is that our fans really demanded that we change our portrayal of women in mm-hmm. WWE. Mm-hmm. And um, it started in 2015. There was a match that took place on a three-hour show, the only women's match that lasted all of 30 seconds. And our audience responded on Twitter with a hashtag called Give Divas a Chance, which was how we branded our women's division at the time. It trended number one worldwide for three days. Wow. And it was specifically calling for better character development, better storylines, more athleticism, longer matches. And their voices were so loud that my father, who is the now the chairman and CEO, Vince McMahon, responded and said, we hear you, keep watching, hashtag mm-hmm. give divas a chance. Mm-hmm. So then at WrestleMania, which is akin to our Super Bowl at AT&T Stadium, we announced the rebranding of our Divas division to the women's division, unveiled a new championship belt that was more akin to the men's but still very feminine, and announced our women would now be called superstars, same as the men. That then sparked the whole women's evolution is how we position it that's happened in our business as our women have more regularly headlined and main evented our pay-per-view programming. We signed Rowdy Ronda Rousey, who is arguably one of the world's greatest athletes, male or female. Mm -hmm. We had our first ever all-women's pay-per-view event, which not only sold out Nassau Coliseum with over 10,000 people, but also trended number one worldwide for over two and a half hours during the last game of the World Series and NFL Sunday Night Football. Hmm. And then this past year at WrestleMania, which again is our Super Bowl, our women, for the first time in 35 years, headlined that pay-per-view event to a capacity crowd of over 80,000 people and broke the entertainment revenue record. Amazing. Well, Amazing. I think you have just described how powerful representation is, right? Well, I mean, it's to have that exposure and to have that very explicit feedback as well as response from your company and really putting it into action. That's incredible. Well, and, okay. I, and I, w- I want to mention too, Stephanie, you were on the Forbes World's Most Influential CMOs list this past year. And I mean, you are an example of a CMO who's basically using the brand platform, using the breath of presence, you know, to to create change. I mean, you know, you're not afraid to do that. And you're sort of using that opportunity and that response. You know, there's a respons- inherent responsibility there that you seem to recognize. Um, talk a little bit about that. You know, how do you regard that? How are you feeling like as a chief brand officer, it's on you to sort of identify these opportunities that you feel are obviously exceptional for the brand, but also good, you know, good for society at large and and good for a cultural conversation and dialogue and sort of moving forward, um, 
you know, women in, in these capacities. Absolutely. And just to go back one sec, because I, I don't think I, I fully explained the see her notion, and it is really to to be able to be her, you have to see her. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and I really do believe in that, because I saw my mom as the CEO. You know, young girls are hopefully seeing Serena Williams. They're seeing Ronda Rousey. They're seeing all of these incredible female athletes across, you know, multiple sports. They're, and not just in sports, right? They're seeing business leaders and executives. You know, this, this show right now, it's a lot of women, and especially um, business women, don't want to be in the spotlight. And that's okay. I totally understand that. A lot of us just, you know, I mean, like everybody, right, male and female, not everybody wants to be in the spotlight. But I do think that as we could help encourage as many women as possible, mm-hmm. you know, to, to be public facing, because I do think at least for right now, girls need to be able to see women in these roles, to know that these roles exist, A, and to know that they belong there. They if you see it, you can be it, right? They want to be in any room they want to be in. Right. Um, so, just as much as men. Amazing. And the, the, just as a quick thing, the, the other interesting thing I think about See Her and that initiative and the fact that it's now in sports and music is that it's very much tracking it and giving feedback to advertisers, marketers, so that they know what the facts are, know what the numbers are, and can switch accordingly and change things. So it's, you know, measurement matters, as we all know. Yep, but, Absolutely. Um, and just so, going so back, back to, to yeah, especially since you're, you know, you're at places like Advertising Week where you're, you are, you're visible, right? I mean, you're visible yeah. in the industry. So talk a little bit about that. Yes, and and you know, again, I'm I'm using my own platforms to talk about something that I'm so passionate about, right? And it's not just gender equality issues, um, though I I do believe that there's a lot of opportunity there, uh, particularly again across sports media and business. Um, but, you know, also for all of our community efforts, um, there, there isn't a panel necessarily on Ad Week this week about that for WWE. Um, but, you know, our mission is really simple. It's to put smiles on people's faces, whether we do that through our programming and content or we do it by giving back. And we actually have four key pillars to giving back, and they are hope, inclusion, service and empowerment. Um, This month is Pediatric Cancer Awareness Month, and under the HOPE pillar, we have partnerships with um, Connors Cure, which is actually a fund that my husband and I started that currently sits with the V Foundation, Um, and that is, you know, all about raising money for pediatric cancer research in honor of a WWE fan named Connor Mahalik, who unfortunately lost his fight at just eight years old. Um, and with someone that so many of us fell in love with and that I could argue the WWE Universe fell in love with. And we've raised over $3 million and helped over 500 families with things like parking vouchers, food vouchers, unanticipated needs that families go through. Um, we have a nearly 40-year relationship with the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Next week is their 40th, uh, next week, next year is their 40th anniversary. Um, and, and SGK, you know, we're coming upon our, I believe it's the seventh year of our partnership with SGK. Um, and that's just all in the hope pillar alone. Because I, I really do believe that it's important, you know, a lot of brands, it's the hot button issue. Oh, yes, let's, do, let's support the community because that's what we're supposed to do. Mm. And that's not the point. The point is it's important to be a brand of purpose and value that's authentic and genuine. And 
I think that the reason for that is not only because it's a responsibility for brands with significant reach, you know, to, to provide this messaging, to be able to make change, but also because it empowers your audience to be a part of whatever that movement is. And if it's something that's that a really good point. That's a really yeah, good I, I really yeah. believe in that. You know, I've seen it firsthand. So last year, um, we had uh, we had a partnership with Hyundai, uh, their Hope on Wheels program, where two of their youth ambassadors, two survivors of pediatric cancer who are not only surviving but thriving, Elizabeth and Carter, they came out. It was a year ago yesterday on, uh, on September 24th. They came out um, at the arena in Denver, Colorado, and um, all of our superstars lined the ramp, and my husband and I actually had the chance on the show during Monday Night Raw to give them championship belts. Mm-hmm. Because if there were ever champions, it is these two kids representing all of the kids who are fighting pediatric cancer. And our audience jumped to their feet and started chanting, you deserve it. Oh, that's so great. It's such a that's powerful awesome. moment. And Elizabeth had tears in her eyes. And our audience got to be a part of that moment. Mm-hmm. They helped make a difference for those kids. And I got so many messages from people and on social media who were watching that night, anybody who witnessed it or who watched the clips on social, they they were a part of it. And it made them feel good to be a part of it. I really want to really valuable. I really want to make sure that we capture that clip and I want to play it back for every time I hear somebody tweeting or something about how silly it is for brands to have purpose. I mean, we talk about it all the time because every one of the CMOs that we have on this show talks really passionately about it. But yet I still see advertisers going, oh, come on, it's just about making money and making sales. And I I think they're they're missing the boat. They're missing the boat, both from the standpoint of leadership, um, like what you're doing, Stephanie, and your, your organization, as well as what employees feel, as well as what the people who are part of the brand and want to be part of the brand are about. So I'm keeping that one. That was a, that was a wonderful <laughs> testament to the reality of it. I wanted to ask you too, Stephanie, about you mentioned Hyundai and brand partnerships in particular are something that's important to you all. Can you talk about, you know, um, and in fact, I think you have some um, fun announcements this week around that. What what do brand partnerships mean to you, and how do you sort of select brand partners? Where where do they fit into your overall um, approach? Well, I think um, you know brand partnerships, true collaborations, are really the the ones that um, have the most success and the most traction with audiences everywhere. Um, you know, one example is a partnership that that we did with KFC, where they were looking to put the kernel in unexpected places. And we did this really fun campaign with them. And it actually then, we, it wound up having so many legs that we did multiple campaigns. But it started off uh, where we had one of our talent who is an antagonist. His name is The Miz. And he was dressed up as Mr. Clucker's Chicken, like a, a knockoff <laughs> brand, right? And it appeared as if it were just a commercial that were airing on the big screens in our arena, just as normal course of action. But it was so bad and so hokey. And then all of a sudden, coming out of the audience is one of our, you know, big stars, Dolph Ziggler, dressed as the colonel. And <laughs> so he funny. suddenly has a microphone, and, and the two go back and forth, and he says, you know, who are you calling chicken, chicken? <laughs> and um, 
the colonel then goes up the ramp and goes backstage, if you can picture our arena, and then suddenly he's in the middle of the commercial. And, of course, chaos ensues. Uh, the Mr. Clucker's chicken and the colonels start, you know, engaging in some action. The fight spills out now back into the arena and back into the ring. And the audience starts chanting, Colonel Sanders. That's awesome. <laughs> and it was just this really, really fun integration. And I think, um, you know, as it expanded and rolled on, we actually wound up having what we call a battle royal, which is, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 people competing in it at one time. <laughs> and everyone was dressed as the colonel. So it was just like surprise and delight for our fans to see who was going to come out as the colonel next. Yeah. and still provide the great entertaining action that they love to watch so much. You know, and it's I, funny. Oh, go ahead. No, no. Go ahead. Brand partnerships, you know, we've always seen them through the years, but somebody just mentioned to me last week for the first time that, like, if, back to our purpose conversation, you know, people, our brands can't really go it alone either. Like, we feel we're living in a time when collaboration is going to be so necessary to further some of these mm-hmm. agendas, you know what I mean, that yes. um, that exists. And I hadn't really thought about that before. You know, I think... We're we're more we're less about competition these days and more about collaboration. You There's know, so much to get done to accomplish to, to what be able we need to, to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. to both yeah. lean in. So and, just... and I think audiences know that they're being marketed to. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're not foolish. They, they obviously you know understand that, but they also appreciate it when brands go the extra mile right. to create something that's really entertaining and engaging just for them. You know, and. Um, Uh, Another example of uh, actually tying in what we were talking about earlier, purpose-driven, you know, marketing, if you will, um, and brands and partnership, we actually have, so it's it's actually multiple prongs, our uh, partnership with 2K, where for the first time ever, Becky Lynch, one of our female superstars, is on the cover with Roman Reigns, uh, one of our most popular male stars, and... um, Because Roman, uh, who is a leukemia survivor and went through a recent um, relapse and came back, he is now going to be the face of the Children's Initiative for LLS. Hmm. And on 2K, they have actually, um, they are going to be giving um, a percentage of purchases to LLS, um, you know, as a part of the, the 2K partnership. So that's, just another example of how we really can all work together to elevate, you know, meaningful movements. And it's valuable for the brand. Are. I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, you're attracting new audiences to your to your brand and to your properties, right? And to, to everything that you're doing and the content you're creating, et cetera. So, well, maybe you and can... again, it is authentic. And I think that that's really, really important. Yeah. You know, I, and I think that a lot of brands try to just, oh, well, we're supposed to do something purpose-driven, so let's grab onto this. But it doesn't work because it's not authentic. Yeah. You know, it yeah. has to be real and it has to be meaningful. And it has to be really owned by the leadership, too. It mm-hmm. can't be just a marketing, um, branding sort of a thing. It has to be what the, what the whole organization is about from the leadership on down. Maybe you can talk uh, a little bit about um, your experience here during Advertising Week. What what has... <laughs> We're trying to explain to the world, like, people who aren't don't come to New York for Advertising yeah. Week, you know, what is it? What is it about? You know, it's there's so many industry events that, that happen annually um, that bring together marketers, advertisers, but... Yeah, I mean, what, what's struck you this year um, in terms of what the themes are? Anything that's sort of new or different or unexpected or um, confirm what you're already thinking? 
Um, I think technology is playing a bigger role than uh, we've ever experienced before. Even when you think about, like, n- neurological um, insights, there, there's mm-hmm. company Neuro Insights, I believe, um, yep. that, that's really doing leading um, – they're just leading the market in terms of leveraging and utilizing science and technology to uh, determine the impact of brands and advertising. Mm-hmm. Um and I think, you know, in addition to that is also the value of live content. Um, so those two seem to be two key themes that are coming out, at least for me, mm-hmm. um, from Adweek, some of the things that I find most interesting and, and relevant. Talk a little bit about uh, live content. That is, um, is I think, a, an emerging topic. And you topic do so much of it. And you do so. so much of it, too. But how are you seeing it generally across the board? Well, you know, live content has always been um, our bailiwick mm-hmm. for WWE. It's one of the reasons why it's so relevant to me. Um, but also sports and, you know, the, the value of sports, the value of that live content, because it's must-see real-time. Mm-hmm. It's what drives community. Again, I think in this world where so many things are so separated and divided, community and things we can all rally around is something that, that brings us together, something that is invaluable if you will sports does that live content does that you have to be a part of the conversation real time um, and and you don't want to miss out on the moment right FOMO is a real thing and if everybody's talking about or watching you know what's happening you don't want to miss out on that it's Um, like the last thing allows people to engage and be a part of that community you know all the time and in fact putting those two things that you talked about to together, the sort of neuro insights together with live content, there's a lot of really compelling research around the difference that it makes in people's lives in terms of whether they're experiencing it firsthand and how they feel as a result of that, as well as sort of, I think, what's called the liminal experience, where people experience something together um, and what that means for bonding and community and all those other things that you're talking about. So we, it's probably the kind of, it's one of those things where it's like we kind of knew that all along, but now we have, right. the, 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 you know, it's like, well, yeah. But we need data to prove it. We need data to prove <laughs> right, it. It's always right. like, okay, now we can, well, we can claim it. That's well, everybody, <laughs> talks about cutting the cord. I mean, that's the only thing that's holding, <laughs> not the only, but that's a big part of why people still can't give that up because, you know, it is about sports and life content that still is the draw um, that otherwise they can't get elsewhere. So on other, you know, on other video platforms. So super exciting. How are you um, thinking about technology in your organization, Stephanie? Well, I think there's a number of different ways that we can utilize technology, and I'm not sure we've figured it all out yet. Um, mm. we do have I don't a, think anybody has. <laughs> yeah, well, but some are, you know, like actually it's funny, and I'll just throw this idea out there, but I was watching, I had the, the opportunity to actually go to the Emmys this year. Oh, fun. And, you know, there was no host. But yeah. it was produced by Fox, and they started with Homer Simpson. <laughs> and I thought, one thought was, oh, how cool would it have been to have, have Homer host all night Um, and then I thought wow what if you could have had you know like holograms of Mm -hmm. different really you know popular celebrities and I I know that that would have been incredibly expensive but what a use of technology to have a hologram host Um, so I think that that would have been something very interesting but so but I digress 
Um, well, but I think that's, I mean, certainly when you think about um, AR and VR, that's, there are a ton of sessions during this week about how um, augmented reality, virtual reality, mixed reality is becoming far more um, commonplace and how marketers are using it, particularly on the B2B side for training and all sorts of yes, other interesting absolutely. things. There's so many different applications yeah. for it. And we actually have what's called the, what we call the Content Innovation Lab. And that's currently a part of our performance center, and it's where we're doing all kinds of testing um, for just that, for AR, for VR. We're also training our up-and-coming superstars to become their own content creators. Um, so we're leveraging and utilizing all of the, the technology and opportunity to train them, bringing in big YouTube influencers like the Fine Brothers or Grace and Mamrie Helbig, um, you know, various people who have been very successful at creating their own brands on YouTube and, and other digital platforms and helping, you know, provide guidance and train not only our um, producers, but also our talent. Um, so that's, that's a place where we strategically test and learn. Um, and I think that it's so important, you know, to be able to do that. From a data standpoint, we also have 60 data scientists because WWE's lines of business are really more akin to Disney than, than any other company that, that I can think of mm-hmm. um, because we're a billion-dollar brand uh, with consumer products worldwide. Uh, we have you know our whole studios division. We actually just announced um, new uh, content opportunities with Netflix, two new shows with Netflix. Um, A&E is relaunching their biography series. We have five biographies with A&E over the next two years. We announced uh, a show on Quibi, which has yet to be launched, called Fight Like a Girl, which is um, a female empowerment show that's it's about making over um, your life, basically. It's, it's not as aesthetic, or I should say not only aesthetic. It's really about tackling true challenges that, that are in these women's lives and, and help giving them tools to make changes. Um, utilizing our performance center and our superstars and, and various different things. Um, so that's from a content perspective. We also have, of course, our entire advanced media group, our uh, which is all of digital and social content, including the WWE Network, which is our direct-to-consumer. We have our whole e-commerce platform, you know, So and just to name a few, right? So right. multiple Amazing. lines of business, and these data scientists are then analyzing all of that data ultimately trying to create the most customized experience for our fan base to really super serve them and give them what they want. Um, you know, obviously Facebook and Netflix have tremendous algorithms that have been very successful. And, you know, we only have a few compared to their uh, many, many, many multiples. But we also have many different, you know, points along that wheel. So we are combining a lot of data and utilizing tons of technology to help us provide that experience. Your passion is palpable, Stephanie. So, I mean, it's just been amazing talking to you today. I agree. Thank you so much, Stephanie. It's really been a pleasure. Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And enjoy the rest of Advertising Week. (laughs) Okay, thank you. Take care. Stephanie McMahon is the Chief Brand Officer for WWE. This is Catherine Hayes here with Jenny Rooney. Thank you so much for tuning in. We really appreciate it. And stay tuned for next month's CMO Spotlight. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.